from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Black farmers have endured discrimination for decades. Federal programs have not treated farmers of color equitably. Empty promises and abusive lending practices are just two examples. Part of the American Rescue Plan signed into law in March seeks to provide debt relief to marginalized farmers. But its success is in doubt. A federal judge has temporarily blocked the effort. Supporters say the program is needed to right historic wrongs. Critics allege creating a federal program that chooses recipients based on their skin color is discrimination. St. Louis on the Air's Paula Rodriguez has more. At his 50-acre cattle farm in Fulton, Missouri, Lorenzo Powell herds cows from one end of the farm to the other with the help of his grandfather. Powell and his grandfather corral the cattle and coax them toward better grazing pasture. While Powell runs to the front to lead the cows, his grandfather uses a pickup truck to push them forward. Pedro, Powell's dog, attempts to help with the move, but isn't too successful. The cows tower over his small stature. This isn't Powell's only job. He primarily works at the University of Missouri, Columbia, but he continues to run the farm to keep his family's legacy alive. So this farm has been in my family since uh, emancipation or post-emancipation. So in the 1860s, uh, my fifth great-grandfather, his uh, ex-slave owner, uh, gave him 40 acres and a mule originally. And then it, he passed it down to his grandson, who would have been my great-grandfather. And uh, he just gradually continued to purchase land in this area until he got up to around 400 acres of land. And then uh, after his passing, uh, because uh, we were not able to sustain the amount of land and uh, the bills that were due on it, we uh, dwindled down to roughly 50 acres that we currently own today. Powell is one of 207 black producers in Missouri. That's according to 2017 data from the United States Department of Agriculture. Black Missouri farmers make up less than 1% of the total number of producers in the state. As the U.S. continues to grapple with a history rooted in racial and ethnic discrimination, some advocate policy measures to bring more black farmers into the fold. The American Rescue Plan is one such measure. It allows the USDA to pay up to 120% of loan balances for an estimated 16,000 producers of color in the Farm Service Agency's records. The 120% is supposed to cover the full cost of the loan and any tax liabilities and fees associated with the debt payment. But the plan has garnered pushback from some white farmers who argue this is discrimination. On June 15, 2021, a federal judge issued a preliminary injunction that halts the USDA from making debt relief payments under this section of the American Rescue Plan, stating, quote, The government can't allow some people to take part in the federal programs while denying others based solely on the color of their skin. The Justice Department and White House have not indicated whether they plan to appeal. That deadline is about three weeks away. This isn't the first time the federal government has attempted to help marginalize farmers. 
In January of 1865, Union General William Tecumseh Sherman issued Special Field Order Number 15, which promised 40 acres of land and a mule to newly freed African Americans. However, on the heels of President Abraham Lincoln's assassination a few months later, President Andrew Johnson reversed course. His amnesty proclamation abruptly evicted newly freed black Americans from the land that had just been distributed to them. According to historian Heidi Dotson, who specializes in 20th century African-American history, black farmers have faced barriers to land ever since. In my research, I encountered one person named Henry Alexander, who in 1936 needed a loan and uh, went to the county agent office where everybody was applying. And there was a doorkeeper that forced African-American farmers to wait outside until the white farmers had applied, and then would tell them, oh, well, you just need to go home and share crop. You don't have enough time to do your crop anyway. Third generation farmer Ernest Wills in Florissant said it has also been common practice for the USDA and banks to deny black farmers loans. Even dealing with the banks, banks are far less likely to uh, make loans to black farmers than they are white farmers. That could be prejudice, that could be because of the available resources, that could be overhead, it could be anything of that nature. But uh, the reports are out that uh, it's, it's a lot harder for black farmers to get loans from banks than it is for white farmers. Because black farmers could not obtain loans, they were encouraged to share crop instead. But sharecropping did not always benefit the black farmer, says Dodson. Yeah, sharecropping is an arrangement between a landowner and a, a farmer where the farmer actually does not have any of their own animals or farm equipment. They don't have any resources. All they have is their labor. So a landowner would uh, have an arrangement with a farmer to say, okay, you can work this 40 acres. And then the typical arrangement was, okay, well, I get half of your crop. So they get a share of the crop. Um, and that way, that farmer, you know, who doesn't have those initial startup resources, can theoretically still make a living. Uh, unfortunately, most of the time, they either barely made any money at all, or they actually came out um, in the negative, in the red. And part of that is because they had to buy um, like family, um, like they had to buy seed, they had to buy family household items at high interest rates. So at the end of the year, when they were supposed to get some money for the sale of their crop, they might find out that they were actually in debt. So it was the cycle of um, keeping black farmers in a state where they couldn't get ahead. You know, they couldn't step up and become a tenant farmer. Um, which was a little bit better where they could have their own equipment and have more control over their crop, where they couldn't reach the land ownership status. There was no way to get ahead. After the Great Depression, New Deal legislation encouraged farmers to reduce crop production and in return receive payments to help increase food prices. This allowed white farmers who owned land to invest in mechanical farming equipment, which, Dotson says, decreased the need to hire black sharecroppers. You start to see farm mechanization um, in the 1930s. You get 
a change from sharecropping to day labor. And so a lot of farmers were displaced, tens and tens of thousands of farmers all across the South, including in the Missouri boot heel. And so that's when you start to see some of the out migration to Northern cities because there was no future in farming. And because uh, farming became mechanized, became so scientific and very expensive, it was absolutely necessary to get those loans that people were being denied. So you had the saying, you know, get big or get out. And a lot of black farmers were forced out um, or even if they had a 40 acre tract, they found it so hard to get loans to expand that they didn't have any choice but to abandon farming. Even after several successful lawsuits against the USDA for discrimination, Will says black farmers still face barriers to receive government subsidies. The writing doesn't say if you're black you can't get this land. It says that if you haven't been working on this property for X amount of years, then they're not going to make that funding available to you. And so if you have a situation where most of the land is, is white-owned and it's been passed down throughout generations, then of course they'll be on their land longer uh, and they'll be working that land longer. So when the federal government tries to help, black farmers are skeptical about applying for funds. Florissant farmer David Bolin is one of these farmers. It just always seems like a lengthy process that I really don't personally have time for. I try to find time, but I have two, two young boys and many, many responsibilities. And, and because of that, I don't even stay up to date on what funding is available, you know. And uh, so by the time I had heard about that, uh, it was a little bit late in the game, so I was just like, maybe there's not much time left and maybe the funding is used up. Some Republican lawmakers, including U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, consider the debt relief included in the American Rescue Plan a form of reparations. Powell disagrees. I do not think at all that this is a form of reparation towards the black farmer at all. I feel like reparation starts with uh, the healing and mending, and uh, I don't think that that could have a uh, financial dollar sign on it at all. So no, ma'am, I don't think that this is uh, reparations. But not all black Americans think of reparations in the same way. Will says that in order for there to be a level playing field, there needs to be a re-implementation of 40 acres and a mule. One word. Reparations. Reparations look, look specifically like nothing less than the 40 acres and the mule that was promised but never given during the reconstruction. So either the equivalent of that um, financially in dollar terms or the actual 40 acres and the mule. The government has millions of acres of land um, here in the United States of America that they're just sitting on. Not to mention the fact that they are currently uh, paying farmers not to grow food right now as we speak. And so farmers have reported getting letters from uh, the Department of Agriculture asking them to not grow their produce um, in order to keep certain uh, subsidies that they're getting. And so the land is available, the land is accessible. Uh, we just need to have that uh, transfer of ownership made available. So whether it's 40 acres and a mule or the equivalent to what that is financially today, that would be the bare minimum of uh, what adequate reparations would look like for the, the black community and the black farmer. 
Back in Florissant, farmer David Boland describes what he thinks reparations should look like. I think, you know, people like me and you would have to have access to the funds and the resources and the education that is necessary to acquire land and to know where to buy equipment and where you would even sell your produce and what the laws are. But a level playing field, I mean, that's there would have to be some land redistribution and a bunch of things that... <laughs> I don't know, you know, a bunch of things that I don't think are going to happen, but would be beautiful. Even if reparations for black farmers isn't on the horizon, Powell has no plans to leave the family farm in Fulton. Uh, more so in my blood, something that I feel very closely and strongly to, uh, kind of like a soul tie. Uh, the fact that this has been my family and I feel like it's uh, on my shoulders now to uphold it and continue on with it and that the... I am the hope for the black future uh, as far as this is concerned because we are a rapidly dying uh, um, species as far as black farmers are concerned. So I feel like uh, it, it is definitely uh, the weight on my shoulders, not only my shoulders, but other young black farmers as well to continue on this legacy of black farming. Powell plans to apply for the debt relief included in the American Rescue Plan, even though a federal judge has put a stop to payments for now. The Biden administration now faces a choice. It can give up the cause, come up with a different proposal, or fight the injunctions with an appeal. I'm Paola Rodriguez. That was from St. Louis on the Air intern Paola Rodriguez. Today is Paola's last day with us, and it's safe to say we're going to miss her big time. She's done terrific work from conducting on-the-ground interviews in Edwardsville to producing conversations about equity in opera and the NCAA's rules for new athletes. She's back to Mizzou later this week. We wish her the best, and we can't wait to see what she'll accomplish. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.